In this past week, I got an email in my inbox from Duke Divinity School. It's a newsletter that comes. It's called Faith and Leadership. Faith and Leadership is a publication that shares stories about life and ministry, positive things that are happening around the country, intending to inspire and engage places where ministry is blooming and prospering. In this week's email from Faith and uh, Leadership from Duke Divinity School, a certain title grabbed my attention. What if we're all burned out? What if we're all so confounded we don't know what to do? The title was, What If We're All Burned Out? And this is how the piece actually opens. Is everyone burned out? When I read about pastors who are considering resigning, I'm not surprised. The stress of 2020 and 2021 has been relentless and exhausting. When I look at the people in the pews, I see the stress. In particular, the stress experienced by parents, people of color, teachers, Students and healthcare workers, I don't know how to weight the comparative stress of anyone's particular responsibility. And I wonder how congregations can respond when nearly everyone is overwhelmed. Could have said confounded. David Odom is the executive director of leadership education at Duke, and he wrote this article, and he goes on to share a study from Harvard Business School that defines burnout In this way, it is a complex condition that can manifest any of three distinct symptoms. Exhaustion, which is a depletion of mental and physical resources. Cynical detachment, a depletion of social connectedness. And a reduced sense of efficacy, a depletion of value for oneself. Often, when we feel confounded or stressed or overwhelmed, namely exhausted, cynically detached, and with a reduced sense of efficacy, we may have heard this statement or something similar from a friend or maybe another church member or someone else. I know things are rough, but it'll be okay. Remember, God never gives you more than you can handle. You've probably heard something like that. We may have even spoken those words, hoping to be helpful. Life is tough, but stay strong. Remember, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. There are a lot of things that faithful people say, intending to be helpful, and maybe thinking, too, that the message is biblical, when actually they're neither helpful nor biblical. There are a few verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that might seem to be the source of this statement. The source of the statement, God will never give you more than you can handle. Is that helpful? Do you think it's biblical? Well, listen to these words from 1 Corinthians 10. They're in the bulletin if you want to read them. So if you think you are standing, watch out that you do not fall. No testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength, but 
with the testing, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. There is that line, God will not let you be tested beyond your strength. Most people agree that that's where this little idea comes from about God not giving you more than you can handle. But if you look at the larger context of this passage, the subject is not really stress. The subject is not feeling overwhelmed. The subject is not being confounded or burdened. The subject is actually temptation. The subject, the Greek word, is more related to tested. Tested as in sexual immorality. Tested as in by idolatry and other things that challenge faithful people. Paul's not talking about exhaustion. He's not talking about cynical detachment that comes from being overwhelmed. And he's not talking about lack of agency because we're so beat down. The people to whom Paul, the apostle, was writing in and around Corinth in the middle of the first century were trying to learn what it meant to be Christian in the midst of a very pagan world. Paul was trying to teach them to leave behind their former ways, which included idol worship, which included temple prostitutes, which included drunken brawls and more. Paul was trying to shape them in self-discipline, show them the ways of Jesus. He says in verse 14, flee from the worship of idols. We all get tempted. Jesus was tempted. The passage is about resolve in 1 Corinthians 10. Character in the face of testing and temptation, not about weariness and confounded, not whether God gives us more than we can handle, okay? So we should be careful. It's not really biblical to say God will not give you more than you can handle. I'm not sure it's actually very helpful either, right? Life can feel overwhelming. Loneliness can feel overwhelming. Grief, which some of us are dealing with in waves, can be overwhelming. Losing a child, struggling with children, especially dealing with a violent culture or dealing with chronic depression or addiction or some life-changing diagnosis. All of it can be debilitating. None of those things does God give us. As in, God never gives you more than we can handle, more than you can handle. Certain things happen to us, come to us. Bad things are part of life. And sometimes, very bad things are part of life. Let's be clear. These bad things do not come from God, but from life's unfortunate turn of events, and they can be devastating, so difficult to handle, and we need help handling them, all of us. So this is why we turn to some other words of Scripture which remain helpful and important in times of difficulty, in times of weariness, in times maybe when we're feeling confounded, and they're words from Psalm 46. Listen to these words. God is our refuge and strength, the present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth should change, 
Though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. This is the word of the Lord. So the words of Psalm 46 seem especially pertinent and appropriate for these particular days when being overwhelmed or maybe burnout may be so much at the forefront of our lives. The pandemic wears us down in these days and we live with fears and decisions about where to go and what to do and not to do when we're so covered up with mask debates and we're weighed down. Do I have a cold or is it COVID? Am I going to give it to somebody? Am I going to get it from somebody? All these questions. Confounded. The struggling democracy and polarizing issues that make us hostile to each other, that's what makes us feel cynical and detached, emotionally detached from one another. The crisis of the climate, the uncertainty of what it means to be the church. What's the future of the church with everything going on? How do we care for one another when we're so isolated and perplexed? That is what feels overwhelming. Other things can make us weary. We feel weariness talking about racism, but you know what? We have a long way to go and a lot of work to do on that. We may feel exhausted by personal issues, financial stresses, but we have to carry on. It's our calling. Here's the truth. God's people have been through so many ups and downs. God's presence has often felt like absence through lots of generations. God's promises of hope and life have often fallen on deaf ears. So when we recite the words of Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble, we are linking our confounded and troubled and burdened lives to all those who've gone before us. Like those who have gone before us when God's family, beloved, known, named by God, were carried away as slaves in Egypt. When the wandering in the wilderness lasted 40 years with huge frustration and confusion and complexity. When the nations kept attacking. When the kings kept corrupting. When the people kept doing selfish and sinful things. When Babylon crushed the walls of Jerusalem and captured the king, God's chosen one, and sacked the temple, the very symbol of God's presence amidst the people, destroyed. When Jesus was mocked and spit on and nailed to a cross and placed in a tomb, when there seemed to be no way, no way, and God, God kept 
making a way with disciples and with the church and with reforms and more reforms. And then when people are stuffed inside the middle passage of slave ships and when oppression reigned instead of justice and when white supremacy ruled instead of equality, when greed shaped the way instead of God's way, all these generations. Wait, what? God is our refuge and strength, a present help in times of trouble. Though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, here's the promise. The Lord of hosts is with us. God is our refuge. That's the promise. Not that God will never give us more than we can handle. Hard times come. Life is difficult. Life is often dangerous. But this is the overriding and the sustaining truth. God, refuge, strength. Even in times of trouble when the earth shakes and everybody doubts. No, God, in the midst, never leaving, always and forever, loving us, knowing us by name, guiding us. God will help us with all that comes our way. That's the promise. God will help us with all that comes our way. That is what we lean into. Teek Nhat Han. We talked about him in Sunday school this morning. Beloved Vietnamese Zen monk, writer, peace activist whom Martin Luther King nominated in 1967 for the Nobel Peace Prize. He died last week at the age of 95. So much of what Thich Nhat Hanh wrote, said, and did inspired so many. Thich Nhat Hanh told a familiar story about a letter that he received when he was exiled in France, a letter from his people back in Southeast Asia. The letter was about a refugee girl. She was part of the boat people. The letter shared that the young girl, only 12, was raped by a sea pirate. And in response to this horrific act, the little girl jumped into the ocean and drowned herself. This is what Thich Han says. When you first learn of something like that, you get angry at the, pilot, at the pirate. You naturally take the side of the girl. As you look more deeply, you will see it differently. If you take the side of the little girl, then it's easy. You only have to take a gun and shoot the pirate. But we can't do that. In my meditation, he, he writes, I saw that if I had been born in the village of the pirate and raised in the same conditions as he was, I would now be a pirate. There's great likelihood that I would become a pirate. I can't condemn myself so easily. In my meditation, I saw that many babies are born along the Gulf of Siam, hundreds every day. And if we educators and social workers and politicians and others do not do something about the situation, in 25 years, a number of them will become sea pirates. That is certain. If you, were, if you or I were born today in those fishing villages, we might become sea pirates in 25 years. If you take a gun and shoot the pirate, you will shoot all of us because all of us are to some extent responsible for this state of affairs. 
And the monk continues. After a long meditation, I wrote this poem. In it, there are three people. The 12-year-old girl, the pirate, and me. Can we look at each other and recognize ourselves in each other? The title of the poem is, Please Call Me By My True Names. Because I have so many names, when I hear one of these names, I have to say, yes. And his poem includes this. I'm the 12-year-old girl, refugee on a small boat, who throws herself into the ocean after being raped by a sea pirate. And I am the pirate, my heart not yet capable of seeing and loving. Please call me by my true names so I can hear all my cries and laughter at once so I can see that my joy and pain are one. Please call me by my true names so I can wake up and so the door of my heart can be left open, the door of compassion. The door of compassion. Life can be so confounding, so full of uncertainty, difficulty, challenge, heartache. Bad things happen. We can feel overwhelmed at times. But whenever life is hard, whenever we feel burdened and confounded and beat down, God always sustains us. God goes with us. God never leaves us. Please call me by my names so I can wake up. God will help us handle all that comes our way. Our refuge, our strength, a present help in times of trouble. The Lord of hosts is with us. And God keeps calling forth one thing from all of us. Compassion. To live with love and peace, working for a more wholesome and hopeful world. May it be so. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, to turn from you is to fall. To turn to you is to rise, to open our hearts to your spirit, to know that you're our refuge and strength, always with us, guiding us, loving us, calling forth our compassion. Well, that is to abide forever. We seek that way, following Christ our Lord. Amen.